the free for all roundtable brought to you by lexus avon canada's newest lexus dealer near canada's wonderland in the maple auto mall luxury is closer than you think round one on round one the aforementioned toronto city councillor john burnside is here journalist co-founder of the line it's an online magazine matt gurney is here sabrina nanji with queen's park observer and actually sabrina let me start with you because apparently there's word there's a joint press conference today with um the premier doug ford and the mayor of toronto olivia chow i've been hearing from all kinds of people that they get on famously so i wonder if this is some funding for homelessness but what do you hear yeah uh this was just we just got word that this meeting is going to be happening they'll be chatting with reporters at 11 a.m uh after they meet but uh i I think you're right you know ford has done good for toronto and and you know made olivia chow happy by offering some more funding uh for asylum seekers so we, we might hear more about that i think the topic of discussion for them is certainly going to be this new possible funding deal for the cash-strapped city uh, and and what might come from that, what the province is willing to do. We've heard a lot of rumors potentially about uh, uploading the highways, I guess re-uploading the highways uh, in in particular, which would be a huge help to the city. Um, But that report uh, for this new funding deal was due out by the end of the month. So I think that's probably going to be top of the agenda. And John Burnside, it certainly seems that uh, she's got a fairly aggressive agenda and maybe Olivia Chow is starting to get her way. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I would have thought Doug Ford might have gone the other way and used uh, the mayor of Toronto as a scapegoat. You know, so this is what happens when you uh, elect an NDP to to uh, to office. And he's actually gone the other way. But I think in terms of the uploading the Gardner and the DVP, it really actually addresses both people's issues. It, ke- it helps Olivia Chow so that she doesn't have to... Uh, work with her advocates who want to tear it down. She doesn't have to address that. And it also ensures for Doug Ford that we keep uh, what he would see as a vital highway uh, still operating. And Matt Gurney, it would seem that uh, Toronto's relationship with Ottawa, on the other hand, continues to be a mess. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. I mean, I was interested to see that uh, Ford... Look, the point's been made already. Ford and Chow get along. They always have. And I think that's something that, if you have been in the uh, the game long enough to remember the relationship between Jack Layton and Rob Ford all those many years ago, you wouldn't be shocked by that. But I I think, John, to your point, I think what's going to be happening here is that, despite what has often been actually a pretty good working relationship between Doug Ford and Christopher Freeland, who's kind of been deputized to run the uh, Toronto uh, operation for a lot of uh, the federal liberals. What's happening now is that the liberals are obviously in trouble. Their poll numbers are bad. They're, they need an enemy to fight. I don't think Doug Ford is keen to pounce, per se. Like I don't think he's looking to exploit the weakness for political reasons, but he knows he has a pretty good bargaining position right now, and he wants to grind the government and see what they can get out of them. Chow and Ford have obviously figured out it suits both of their interests to gang up on the liberals federally while they're weak and hopefully wring some bucks out of them. Thousands, probably tens of thousands, if not more than 100,000 Ontario liberals cast their ballots for a new leader this weekend. And John Burnside, no matter what they do, there's nothing they can do to make this seem exciting. Like they cast their ballots on the weekend. We're going to find out who won next Saturday. And it's, you know, it's going to be an anticlimax, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and I think that that is the issue. I mean, the party had become, uh, I'll say, insipid, which is your word of the 
week, uh, lacking vigor, dull, flat. Um, I'm not sure that this actually addresses that. Like, there's no excitement. You know, when Kathleen Wynne won the leadership, there, you know, she had built relationships with other with other contenders, and she was able to come up the middle, and it really propelled her onto the the provincial stage as the leader. Really gave the party a boost. I think this is like a ho hum, you know, a Saturday morning news story. Yeah, I mean, Mac Gurney. I suppose they can bring out the confetti cannons next Saturday, but it's still not going to seem that exciting. Well, my confetti cannon is ready to go at all times. Okay. Uh, I maintain that at a high state of alert at all times. But I would look. I, I miss delegated conventions. Those were interesting. And like every time some party goes out and tries some new way of running a convention, oh, it's going to be every member gets a vote. Okay, but also every riding gets equal weight. Like we just need to figure out one way of doing it and sticking with it here. Like Doug Ford is the premier of Ontario today because of the weird formula the Conservatives used in 2018. I don't know what's going to be announced on Saturday. I'll keep the the confetti cannon on standby until then. But in the meantime, like the Liberals are already sowing the seeds of three years from now going, oh my God, our formula was stupid. Why didn't we just do a brokered convention? Like, let's just go back to what worked for centuries. Sabrina, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I guess because I do cover this stuff, I think it's actually been pretty exciting. But it is inside baseball. I mean, these are the Liberals picking their leader. And then, you know, they're going to take it wider to Ontarians. Um, I was actually at the polling station in St. Paul's uh, over at Timothy Eaton Memorial Church. And those Liberals I talked to were fired up. I mean, a lot of them were supporting Nate Erskine-Smith. A lot of them were supporting Bonnie Crombie, who's long been the perceived frontrunner here. Her camp is feeling confident. But you're right. I mean, I think that the delegated conventions are a lot more entertaining even though you know some argue less democratic uh, we, we the waiting game starts now we're not going to find out who's going to take the crown until saturday um and i'll be there so you guys don't have to be okay you'll be our oblate nun good to know and ndp mpp wants to make it illegal for drivers to pass over uh solid double yellow lines i think the biggest surprise in all of this mac gurney is that we can I know. I thought it was totally illegal. I'm reading this this morning, and I realize I've been obeying a law that doesn't actually exist since I learned to drive when I was 17. I was convinced it was illegal to change lanes by going through double yellow cross lines. And I've been dr- driven, well, I mean, I've probably bent the rule once or twice over the years. But, I mean, I think I've probably been pretty faithful about that because I'm a very boring driver here. So, I mean, in terms of whether or not I support the suggestion here, yeah. Yeah, okay, why not? I 100% support the law being what I thought the law already was. Yeah, John Burnside, I mean, if somebody had listened to the TikTok traffic cop on Jerry Agar, they would have heard this last week. But I, again, I am absolutely stunned. I thought a double yellow line meant that it wasn't even safe to consider trying to pass somebody. You're a cop. Yeah, well, and I, so I did know that, that rule. Uh, first of all, orange or yellow is normally a warning as opposed to an absolute uh, and and the warning is passing is not recommended and is hazardous um, but there there is an actually a law and it's called careless driving that encompasses everything so there's no actual law that says you can't eat a big mac and drive with your steering uh, your steering wheel with your knee but if you get into an accident or the police see it, it's careless driving yeah. so in this case where there was a serious accident that would be careless driving 100 percent which is far more serious than the the actual law 
if they even made a law of uh, an unsafe pass or whatever the case might be. For the record, I used to be able to eat McNuggets and drive stick. But anyway, uh, Sabrina and Angie. <laughs> I mean, I'll confess, I actually thought this was already explicitly illegal, too. I know my dad, who taught me how to drive, is listening and is probably feeling very proud of me right now. But I will add that this is just a private member's bill from the NDP. And, um, you know, private member's bills rarely become law, especially one from the official opposition. But I do think the PCs who have a majority in the House um, could decide to take this one on or maybe, you know, do their own version of it so they can take political credit. Because I do think that police seem open to it, uh, to having this be something that's explicitly illegal, because there's like a tragic story that comes with this. The law is the proposed law is named for Chad Belanger, who had this like life altering accident a collision i should say like because of this uh because of a motorist doing this and so i think that making this you know explicit is going to be important to a lot a lot of people on the road and make them a lot safer the ndp mpp in question incidentally will join us after the news at eight o'clock justin trudeau criticizing the opposition conservatives while on the road um let me go to you matt gurney on this first it's uh, generally considered bad taste to say the least to criticize your opponents while you're abroad. But at the same time, I can't figure out what the conservative game on this Canada-Ukraine free trade deal was. Oh, most of the conservatives I've talked about can't figure it out either. This seems to be something where they sort of decided what they were going to do, and then they maybe only thought later about whether or not they should have done it. I I don't ultimately think it's a huge deal. Um, And I just mean that in the sense that, like, there's going to be so much other insane, stupid stuff that happens between now and then. Like, we're not going to necessarily remember this. But I do think, you know, the conservatives are doing great in the polls. We all know that. Uh, You know, as the pollsters say, if an election were held today, the conservatives would win big. There is a risk to them in that. And the risk is quite simply that they may go flaky. So I think, you know, if they're going to win the next election, they're going to need to be able to show to Canadians not only that they agree with Canadians who are frustrated with the prime minister, but that they would make an upgrade from the prime minister. And when you have a foreign policy move like this, touching on an issue that millions of Canadians are engaged in, support for Ukraine is very popular in this country. If you don't have a pretty good reason ready to go about why you're breaking with the pack on voting against a trade deal, then maybe you should just vote with the damn thing. Like, I'm not even telling them what to do. I'm just saying, whatever you choose to do, you should have a coherent explanation ready. That is pretty much politics 101, and I don't know why the party is struggling with that. Normally, they're better at this. Yeah, and Sabrina and Angie, the reason they voted against it was because they insisted this free trade deal was strong-arming Ukraine into adopting carbon pricing. Ukraine already has carbon pricing, so and, and apparently it's not mentioned in the deal anyway. Yeah, I think, you know, to Matt's point, their justification for this hasn't really made a lot of sense. I thought it was kind of a cute line when when they said, you know, Ukraine doesn't need this woke agenda. But as you pointed out, they kind of already have a, a so-called woke agenda. They've already got carbon pricing. I think they needed to read the room a little better on this one. Meanwhile, people with poor 
personal hygiene could be fined or kicked out of Montreal public libraries. John Burnside, I have to think this is really just about, you know, homeless people and trying to keep them out of the library altogether when, you know, a lot of them probably regard it as a place for shelter. Right. But, and certain homeless people, Yeah, uh, you know, there are certain, uh, you know, the ones, um, there is a problem with a certain uh, subsection of the homeless population who do uh, use drugs openly. They have head lice, all those things. They can be aggressive. This is really just a tool for the police when they come in. Believe it or not, if police can say, hey, there's a law, it actually diffuses the situation. But the advocates would say, oh, well, this is, we want to be more inclusive. The problem is when you, you take it to an extreme and you're inclusive for a certain population, you necessarily exclude others. So what about the, what about the at-risk youth who use a library, heaven forbid, as a place to actually learn and they don't feel comfortable? And so I really think, you know, we have 10,000 shelter spaces in the city. Um, we, we, we need to provide more. I get that. But a library is a place to learn. It's not a place to shelter and it might sound heartless, but as I say, there are lots of people that need those spaces for the, their intended purpose. One last quick topic, and Matt Gurney, I could be wrong, but I figured you, you might have something interesting to say about super pigs. Apparently, we have an invasive super pig population that is set to explode across the country. I was reading this, and I have followed it um, as it uh, something similar happened in the southern United States, and you've seen pretty wild videos come out of the southern U.S. of uh, farmers or even basically bounty hunters, for lack of a better term, shooting these things because they breed very quickly and they're very destructive to crops. The one thing I read that was surprising here is that apparently hunting them only causes them to breed faster, which at a certain point stops sounding like super pigs and starts sounding like zombie pigs. So I guess perhaps we should simply surrender. I, for one, <laughs> plan to welcome our new pig overlords. Thank you all. Good to have you this morning. That's Sabrina Nanji, John Burnside, and Matt Gurney. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.